Good morning. This is Nancy Leffler. Welcome to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan. In November of 2000, our 17-year-old daughter, Leah, died from injuries she sustained in a car accident. Meeting the grief of her death helped us to more fully understand the territory of grief. We each took our own path on that journey, and we have now arrived at a place where we can join together to help others navigate their grief journeys. Leah's death provided a doorway to our transformation, one that we never expected. Our passion is changing the conversation around grief and helping those we talk to find meaning, purpose, and joy again so they can fully participate in their lives. We invite you to join today's conversation and help us build community. Welcome to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan, where conversations build community. Our Monday morning conversations are meant to create a safe space where respectful dialogue is encouraged. Our intention is to promote understanding by listening when having difficult conversations. We hope to offer you resources as you travel your personal journey. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Dan Luffler, and uh, Song of the Day is one that was um, selected by our guest today. And it touches my heart that something as simple and as beautiful as a song can really touch so many different people. The artist that Brian selected today was uh, Joni Mitchell, and it was the uh, song that they played at the Grammys. So sit back and listen to a very heartfelt uh, message from Joni. Frozen flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air and feather canyons everywhere. I've looked at clouds that way. But now they only block the sun They rain and they snow on everyone So many things I would have done But clouds got in my way It's cloud illusions that I recall. I really don't know clouds at all. Fairies wheels, the dizzy dancing way that you feel as every fairy tale comes real. 
I look at love that way. But now it's just another show. And you leave them laughing when you go and if you care, don't let it show. Don't give yourself away. I looked at love from both sides now. From given to And still somehow it's love's illusions that I recall. To say I love you right out loud. Dreams and schemes and circus crowds. I look at life that way. But now, old friends are acting strange. They shake their heads and say, Johnny, you've changed. Well, something's lost, but something's gained in living every day. What a beautiful version of Joni's song. Uh, I listened to that a few times over the weekend so that I wouldn't completely break down like I did the first time I, I heard it. Um, and I, I must have listened to it enough because I teared up, and I'm not I'm I'm able to carry on. So today's topic is living with cancer, and we're going to talk about that with our guest Brian Bembridge. Let me introduce him to you. Brian Sidney Bembridge is an artist and a theater designer who works throughout the U.S. 
He was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer during the height of COVID in late spring of 2020 and is currently on his journey with stage 4 colon cancer. He tries to live out loud on his journey to help others through theirs by sharing his day-to-day experiences through words and visuals. He continues to find his way through this with his amazing husband and friends, but now without their ex-partner and without his brother. His difficulty is letting go, of letting go, is where his grief continues to build in his mind. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. It's really great to have you here with us today, and looking, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we dive into, uh, into your story, though, tell us why you chose the song Both Sides Now. Um, well, the song has been in my life since high school, not Joni Mitchell's version. I first fell in love with the song by uh, an artist named Michael Feinstein, who was on... I think it was the 25th anniversary of Electra. It was an album called Rubaiyat, and all these artists were doing each other's um, covers, other artists in the label. And he did a version of that song. And I fell in love with it in 19, I think it was 91. Then of course I heard the later version, a version of what you listened to. And um, I really think Love Actually brought that song back into common knowledge of American culture. And it's hard not to fall in love with that song. Um, and with age and life and death and people coming and going out of your world, um, it is so prevalent. That song is so prevalent in my in my life. I've seen those both sides. When you think you know something and then you realize something else. Yeah, yeah, living in that unknown. You, you, even when you think you're not. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too, about... Uh, um, coming into uh, something in, into the unknown and then being able to communicate and have a conversation that uh, can matter to other people. You know, that's what this program started out uh, as uh, over a year ago. And uh, here we are today with you, Brian, uh, and so happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got on to where you're at today um short of the long is um i knew there was something wrong with me for several years my mother was dying uh, of als at the time when things started Mm -hmm. and i was more focused on that and didn't want to add any more stress to my family's life when i realized things were happening to me um i did tell a a few friends and they would yell at me and you know um you got to go see the doctor. And for, for, for actually several years, I would say, I know I have cancer to a specific friend. And um, finally, uh, COVID started. I was actually in the city that I told my friend I, a year earlier in Cincinnati working that I know I have cancer. Um, they shut down the show because of COVID. They flew everybody home. I came back to Chicago where I live. And there was finally one night that there was just so much going on that I, uh, when my partners, my husband and, and uh, my partner woke up, I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I have to go to the hospital now. Mm. So, of course, the nervousness of COVID, because nobody knew what was going on at the mm-hmm. time. And with my insurance, I had to go to, a, you know, a quick sort of medic place first they had to refer me and then i went to the er and my husband dropped me off 
Ryan dropped me off and didn't see me for, I think, a week and a half. Wow. So, yeah, it was um, at the time they didn't they thought it was diverticulitis. Um, it was just a strange time to be in a hospital because the ORs were not open. Nobody was doing surgery. Everyone was, everyone was being so cautious. I, I went to Rush and they were so amazing the way they took care of their patients. Mm-hmm. their thoughtfulness, the caring. Mm-hmm. Um, so they couldn't get in surgically, laparoscopically, which they could do. They couldn't get in. So they sent me home with some drugs and I went and had a CT scan in a week and the pain was unbearable and they ended up admit- admitting me again. So I went back into the, he said, we're just trying to get you a bed. You know, my, my surgeon said, we're trying to get you a bed. I went back to the hospital Again, I had my nurses were just so amazing at Rush. And um, they finally said on the weekend, it doesn't matter on Monday, whether the ORs are open or not, we are going in for surgery. So just prepare yourself. I was very nervous. I've never had surgery. So Mm -hmm. I was, you know, of course, that fortunately I had a very dear friend who was a nurse in New York City, and it, it, he, we went to college together. He was an actor, and he walked me through the whole process of surgery. So I, I felt a little better knowing exactly what I was gonna, going to go through. Um, we went into surgery. I was late. I was really upset that I was late. Um, fortunately, I was because I had head of colorectal and my colorectal surgeon both working on me. It was an eight-hour surgery, unexpected. I finally woke up about midnight that night and um, texted Ryan and said, I'm alive and kind of passed out again. And I had a routine of calling my father in the morning, 5.30 our time. He lives in the East Coast, so 6.30 his time. I'd call him every morning from the hospital. And so I called him in the morning. I've I've never said that. If he listens to this, this will be interesting. Um, That's how I found out I had cancer because I was talking to my dad and he we were just talking about the surgery and it seemed okay and he said well i'm really surprised you had cancer and so i said me too (laughs) and i tried (laughs) to keep it away from him knowing that he told me that i have cancer (laughs) Mm. because i didn't want to upset him in that way so so yeah they thought it was just diverticulitis kind of was cancer um so that started the process they had to put me on a colostomy bag also a new experience, very unnerving. It was just a lot to take in on one experience. Yeah. And, yeah. but you know, the, the funny, well, I, I don't know, to me, it's, it's maybe it's not funny. The interesting thing, I guess, about cancer for me, although I've talked to a lot of other patients through this process who are diagnosed with a disease is that it is kind of an outer body experience mm. because we all know somebody with cancer a parent, a cousin, a friend, a teacher, but they have cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's a big shift for you. Um, and I'm not speaking for everybody, just people that I've spoken to with all different kinds of cancer. It is an outer body experience mm-hmm. for a while <clears throat> to think that you have cancer. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that started the process, uh, chemotherapy. I met a new family of nurses uh, through that process because you have um, your infusion nurses are different than the nurses in the hospital and you see them every other week and you see patients every other week. 
also, all right, so two things during this time. I couldn't have any visitors at the hospital when I was in surgery and mm-hmm. post. And I couldn't have anybody with me in chemotherapy. And that was because of COVID. It was all because of COVID. Yeah. So it really, I mean, it's complicated. Because when I came home, I mean, Ryan was the best human in the world. You know, that he made a bed for me. He um, post chemo every time. He would make me anything I wanted. Like, whatever I wanted that day, he would make dinner that for dinner every... Because, you know, you're not really that hungry doing chemo and, and things. Um, but... but then you would go and be alone hmm. for a big chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that must have um, added complication around it. I mean, you know, what's interesting, I guess, or strange for me is that that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so in, in a weird way, there was like no other. Had yeah. I had, you know, had I been going through chemotherapy before that, I might have felt very differently because I would have had somebody there with me, a friend or, you know, um, Ryan, or but that's all I knew at the time. So maybe it was easier in a weird way. So did you find being alone there was a lot of time for reflection? I did. did you... I um. I mean, it's a so. Rush has redone the cancer. They have a new cancer center. Um, when I first started going um, in the professional building, they called them pods, and there so there are curtains, but it's a much more open space. Mm-hmm. Now everyone's in their own room and has privacy. So in a weird way, y- you are surrounded by community. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel that community in that pod. And the nurses are going back and forth, and there's different kinds of cancers, so there's different kinds of chemos. But those nurses really make that space h- home for you. And or at we, least I, I found it as home. Yeah, and, and uh, I do love the way that um, you put that to a new classification or a... A, a way of differentiating the role that the nurse plays and how fortunate and we've had experience at uh, Rush ourselves. Um, Both of our kids were born at Rush. Oh. <laughs> so uh, uh, we know the kind of special place it is, and a yeah. thank you goes out to all of the nurses out there uh, and especially the work that they did you know, over COVID, that was yeah. really heroic. So, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. So what? Kind I mean, of- and really, some of those. You know, I I just had treatment um, uh, Wednesday through Friday. I wear it mm-hmm. home for forty eight hours, but I was there for for about um, five four hours, I guess. I mean, it. You know, I go out and talk to them at their desks, and um, they come in. Nurses come into my room who might not be treating me that time, but they've treated me before, and. You know, I have rules when I go to chemotherapy, which is not for everybody, but I wear flowered shirts, not Hawaiian, like nice, beautiful flowered shirts. I'm always well clothed, and I bring either donuts or bagels, both for downstairs and upstairs. And um, it's, it is such a tough job for them. That is, that is grief that they deal with because they lose so many patients. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that, that you have your own ritual for your creating yes. the, the kind of space that you want to create for your chemo. That's, and we laugh. Yeah. We have to laugh. Yeah, that's And that's that's a hard lesson to learn too. And it's um, okay to laugh. We can laugh and feel pain at yeah. the same time. Yeah. That's my mother. That's the that's that's what my mother gave me. Mm. 
um, was caring and a very loud laugh and um, and her thoughtfulness of caring for people. I had a text earlier this morning from um, the mom person who lives next door to us. Can you please knock on the door and check on so and so? Yeah, it's yeah, you know, it's kind of those moments where you can appreciate that caring for one another. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're all in service to each other, so yeah. that's one way that it shows up. I'm wondering what kind of support helps you or is helping you as you walk this journey. Um, first of all, I have many people who have gone through this journey before me. I mean, that's the that is the one gift we get to give through cancer is our data, our lives, our body um, will help somebody else eventually. So thinking of all those people before me and I lost um, back in the nineties, I lost a dear neighbor of ours to breast cancer. She had quite a, that was a battle. That was a, a se- severe battle. So it's all those people before me, first of all, my husband is just absurdly um, thoughtful and caring and such a good human. And we are still learning through our relationship. So, you know, it's hard for him, too. It's a totally different experience for the for the spouse or the partner. Absolutely. Who's dealing with the yeah. the per- watching the person. Yeah. And it's, it, it's not what each of you thought you signed up for. Right. Right. Um, you know, I will say we've been through a lot in our lives and. Um, it has been amazing. We, we, we have almost not made it through several experiences, but I feel like after those experiences, we can almost make it through anything, you know? And then I have, I just have, I was just having coffee this morning with a a friend of mine who's a director. Um, We work together all the time and um, we were talking about, she said something about um, my friends and um, I meet the best people. It just Mm -hmm. is, crazy again this is my mother who has instilled this in me Mm -hmm. um i meet people in bars and we start working together and going to alaska designing operas i meet a flight attendant on a flight and he travels with us you know all the time Mm -hmm. i and then connecting these people that's my you know that's my goal is to connect all these people but those people are huge supporters of me huge 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 supporters um I work in theater, so I have all these people all around the country that I've worked with. Um, You know, it's hard for some people. Some people still have a hard time with it because the C word is, I feel like it scares a lot of people. I rightfully so, and I understand So does the G word. (laughs) I hear you. Yeah, Yeah, true, true. (laughs) Um, So it is tough for some people to communicate with me or to, Mm -hmm. you know, it's uncomfortable. So what I have been doing since I came out that I have cancer, um, I've been trying to be open about as much as possible online um, and to let people know, like, my my door is always open, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it has been amazing, especially during COVID. People that were afraid wrote to me and said, I went to the ER or I got a test or I. Um, that was inspiring that my little story could help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so even those people, some of, some of whom I knew, some just knew me from social media, um, 
realizing that my little story could help them through their life, their story. Mm-hmm. So I have that kind of support. I have, you know, I have friends that I went to high school with who are just the best, the best. When I grew up in this little town in New Hampshire, I have theater people. I have this company. Well, I traveled with, I don't really talk about it, but right out of high school, I traveled with a group called Up With People. I have my cast from all over the world that supports me. I remember Up With People. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw, a year ago, I saw several of them in Denver. They are amazing supporters of mine. I, my hometown, people, you know, my friend's parents, uh, I mean, my parents' friends, sorry. Um, I, I do stay in touch with a lot of people. You know, my Ryan, uh, my husband, is bewildered at times. You know, I don't know how you can keep in touch with so many people. I don't know how you can text so many people. I don't know, like, who are you talking to? You know, um, but all these people, that's the beautiful thing about my life and being supported through this challenging time the support from all those people and how lucky I realize how lucky I am because I go or I've been to the treatment center and I see people with nobody mm-hmm. and I see how hard it is. Or I see somebody saying, Oh, we couldn't get this medication because your insurance, we can give you the pill. We can't give you the infusion. It's tough to go through that alone. Yeah. It seems almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, something occurred to me as you as you're talking about all of these blessings is is how they're they're, um, arising in my consciousness but we often talk about the gifts that we received from grief and gifts that would not have been possible without going through a grief journey do you um, look upon some of these as gifts as well I mean I uh you know, it's interesting. Um, I lost a friend. Uh, she was an actor uh, in Chicago that um, died this past year from brain and lung cancer. And we were actually going to start a podcast. Um, we do look at cancer. We did look at cancer very differently. Um, she loved her cancer and thought it was there to teach her a lesson. I accept my cancer. I mean, I, I guess in a way it has taught me some things. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess working through grief, which this is not the first time I've worked through grief uh, in a major way, just a different way, it does help you grow, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it impacts you. Well, hopefully it maybe doesn't turn you radically, but it makes you both sides now, right? I mean, both sides now. Right. Absolutely. And, and I can tell you, when I first started realizing that some of the blessings and grace that I was receiving through my grief journey were gifts. I was absolutely appalled because I didn't think I deserved any gifts given the fact that my daughter was no longer physically with us. And I eventually realized that the blessings and grace, which were the gifts, was exactly what I needed to continue on that difficult journey. Well, you know, the challenge, um, I had mentioned something to you uh, in a conversation prior to today that when my mother was dying um, and I don't want to speak for him, but um, the grief for my brother was very complicated and I no longer have my brother in my life uh, because of his ability or a way that he could deal with grief that I was 
very open person about watching my mother die mm-hmm. um, with my father. Uh, and we all deal with things differently, and, and, and right. that's the way the world goes. Um, and we all grieve differently. Uh, yeah. Because it depends on the, the relationship we had with the person. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, it's sad he's not, you know, in my life in that way anymore. And that is complicated. That's complicated right. for me. But my problem is, as a, uh, as my adult self, um, I do not bury things. I cannot bury things. That leads to an eruption. I'd rather talk things through mm. and try and put them out in the open. And then after you sort of deal through those, you know, you, you dealt those cards, you sort of go through those cards. Um, then if you realize, okay, we tried, we can't do it. We'll move on. Um, I just can't move on without talking, especially at this point in my life when, you know, we don't know two to 10, two to 10 years. We don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, things become more urgent. Yeah. 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 I, and I, and I don't want to die angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. Have there, have there been any surprises for you? Um, I guess, you know, surprises. I'm mean, sorry. I should have, uh, <laughs> more. I guess like a surprise. Uh, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess, well, it's not a surprise the way people reach out, even though you hear from people that maybe you haven't heard from a long time and I might be surprised, but the thoughtfulness of people, we're, we're in such a um, disparate sort of a, a complicated space right now, right, as a culture. Mm. Um, That's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do feel like this disease does break down those walls in a way. Mm. Uh, in general, I think there's more openness to talk about the difficult subjects. The problem is the way it escalates to a point where you know people are unwilling to consider another person's viewpoint and we've talked about you know perception versus reality a couple shows ago yeah and how um some of those um conversations that are desperately needed can't be done because people yeah. have a perception that uh uh oh we, we, no one talks about that, you know, and grief is like right. that. And, yeah. you know, cancer is certainly is, is one of those things. And death of a child, you know, uh, a lot of the people that we talk uh, to say, well, how can you do the work that you do? You know, you've lost a child. You know, it's because we've <laughs> because we lost, our lost a child that we have the ability yes. to do the work that we do right. because we could have shut down and all right. i wanted to do was eat chocolate chip cookies and stay in bed and i would not have been in a very good place if i did that and you know you it also brought us to a point in our marriage where we had to decide okay what are we going to do uh, we can either end this now or do the work that's needed that was revealed by our grief journey that and, and this was long after Leah died because when she first died we each went through our own thing 
we couldn't help each other. We, we were both right. in too much pain, and we each dealed with, dealt with it in a much different way. And our son did as well. So, yeah, it's uh, all this stuff is complicated and uh, crazy. But that's where the alchemy comes in. You know, my the title of my book is "The Alchemy of Grief: Your Journey to Wholeness," and I see alchemy in the conversations we have every week. I see alchemy in my life all the time, and uh, that's um, that's what gives me the the um, inspiration to continue to do this work and to live my best life. Well, you know, uh, I've always been an outward person. Um, although, uh, you know, sometimes um, you live outward and then you don't always reveal your 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 inside. But I don't know. I I made a life choice um, when I was in high school. I tried to commit suicide at sixteen over a woman, a girl girl we were boys and girls then. <laughs> yeah. um yeah and this group of friends that i spoke of in high school um really supported me and took me well we went to my they were with me when i told my parents and then the rest of that year was a tough year for all of us um i mean more so me than maybe them but we had a uh, my dear friend Pam, who's now an amazing, I mean, she's been an amazing nurse. Now she runs a nurse. She runs, anyways, um, she's an amazing human. Also, a, she is a cancer survivor. Um, wrote uh, something to get into college, and I was the class president. And I told my whole class, I asked the faculty to leave the gym when we had rehearsal for um, graduation. I told my whole class that I tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, my goal of that conversation was, which is still today, like, well, I'll, I'll tell this first, but um, uh, sometimes you don't realize you're helping somebody mm-hmm. by just living your life with them or having that conversation. Or, That's true. I mean, we forget relationship. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like today there are no the relationships are much more complicated, like you were saying about um, how we shut down quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Ryan and I went, we went to Maine, um, a year ago in December cause we just didn't know how much longer I had. And, um, we took a trip and we went to this restaurant and they took such good care of us. And I wrote to the restaurant afterwards, you don't know this, but what you did for us that night was took us on a journey through food and joy and fun. Meanwhile, we're dealing with this on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, it's not that we've lost humanity. It's just people forget how easy it is to help somebody. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I and sometimes that. you don't know you're helping somebody by just meeting them for coffee or, um, by being y- y- your best self. Yes. hundred percent. And that's yeah. hard today too. It's harder now than it was. It I is. don't know. I say it that is. I feel like it's harder than it used to be. But I'm of a certain age. You're of a certain age. So, yeah. Well, I, I, we're talking about living a best life. And in your bio, you talked about um, living out loud. So tell us what that means to you. Tell us a little more about what that means to you, because I think you've been illustrating um, it throughout. Yeah, I, um, I decided on my own without asking uh, my partners at the time 
I just came out and said, this is me. I took a picture of me with my colostomy bag on um, in my underwear at 166 pounds, which was my high school weight, um, and said, I have cancer. Immediately, a, f- a friend of mine who's an amazing playwright and artist and choreographer and retired dancer and um, just this beautiful human, um, she wrote to me immediately. was like, I just, I saw your post and I don't think I could ever do that. And I appreciate that you could do that. You know, people in ostomies, that's a whole nother community that's people don't understand. Mm. And people with ostomies, um, generally, not generally, I don't want to say generally, often stay quiet about it because to them it's embarrassing. But I have a friend who just really helped, a mutual friend introduced us and he just really helped me through that process. Mm-hmm. He's been on an ostomy um, since he was 19 mm. and lives a normal life and is just such a good human, um, so, so talented and but I guess by living it out in the open, see, I met this person that introduced me to this person that helped me through this thing, that I helped through that thing, that they helped through that. The yeah. chain reaction can be so beautiful. Yeah, and, and if you don't state where you are, or who you are, what's going on, you never get to that point. Right? I mean, if you, you think know? about cancer when it first came out, or, oh, no one talked about it, especially breast cancer or colon cancer. Or people have problems with anal, you know, like all these kinds of cancers because they seem so private, which they are, I get. It's, it is what it is, and it's just part of your body. Right. And by shared experience, we have the ability to help others. So you're not alone. You're not the only person. Right, you're not the only person. And that's what we, part of our message is about grief as well you're not alone yeah. it, it may yeah. be something you have to go through by yourself uh, by yourself your journey is different from everybody else's yet 100%. you don't need to be alone you know you can you can you can find support and find resources that um make a huge difference you know and people from high school still write to me on social media like yeah about that time, about that day, about um, just me being an open human in high school. Um, it is it it is interesting, this journey um, and loss, you know, through grief and loss today of like, I mean, most of the time I live in today, you know, of course I think about my mother who died and I think about Clyde and friends who have died, and, but it is, it's interesting uh, that all that t- my life from way back when still affect can affect somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a good point. That um, and the ripples that go out from yes. the acts that we do, um, 100%. yeah, is is a another concept that w- when you think about it is such a beautiful. And then they come back to you. Well, yeah, that's the. I think about the and don't get me wrong, I put out some bad ripples. Well, we all have. I'm human. <laughs> I made some bad choices, so <laughs> we're all in that club together. Yeah. Um, yep. I was wondering, you know, uh, letting go then um, seems to be a theme um, that we've, we're talking about, and 
we often see it when an old wound comes up, thinking about the, this and, and yeah. That. And one of the things I talk about this often that my grief journey um, allowed me to go back and heal some old wounds. So, and I see that with my clients all the time. And I'm wondering if letting go has been um, a theme throughout your life. Um, I mean, I have a huge problem with letting go. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know exactly where it started. I can tell you the, the I mean, what I know today. And um, I have kind of have two stories about it. But um, the first of which is <clears throat> that person uh, that uh, I chose to make my choice to maybe end my life has been in my life ever since that day. I mean, we've known each other since grade school. We thankfully and gratefully to her being open. I was working um, in Southern California where she lives with her husband and kids. And um, well, I should say when I was in the hospital, cancer does change you, right? And it does make mm -hmm. you rethink your life or any potentially fatal disease. I hope makes you rethink things. And I wrote to her in the hospital. I said, can I send you a message? It'll be long. It'll be honest, but it won't be mean. So I sent it. And she sent me back a very long response, honest, not mean. And from that day on, we started building a relationship and a friendship again. And we finally saw each other in Southern California and just had the most wonderful night. We had the, this great dinner. And I, I'm not saying, you know, it, it wasn't what it felt like it was way back when, of course, because that was something else. But it was just, and the fact that we were both open mm -hmm. i had held that grief and anger and resentment for i don't know 28 years 30 years mm -hmm. <clears throat> just this summer a friend of mine an old friend who's from chicago he's a theater director and artistic director and um something happened years ago and we were i don't know we just felt we couldn't connect for years and years and years. I was so mad at him. And we were in Provincetown and Cape Cod. He came out and met us for a drink. We went and saw his husband's concert. And then we went out afterwards. And the freedom of that, just to be in that space without resentment again, mm -hmm. the fact that we could both open our doors in that way and experience it was just so wonderful. We just had maybe a little too... Um, too much fun at the bar but uh it was such a relief and uh a weight off of our shoulders yeah and just silly good fun but yeah I'm, it I'm is off. hard to let go of that after all those years right i mean that's yeah. the challenge yeah. are you willing yeah. are, are you willing are you willing and and i i'll give you this this one if you're not willing are you willing to be willing and right. add, add as many 100%. willings on as as you as you want to we are very quickly 100%. getting to the end of our show, which always happens way too fast for me. But before we end, this is a question we ask all of our guests because we started our show around the premise of having difficult conversations and the importance of having them. So how do you approach a difficult conversation? So it does vary depending on the conversation and who's the person is, who it's with. My goal is to, well, all right. My goal generally is to 
try to stop it before you get to the difficult conversation or try to be open so it's not all at once. Um, I think in relationships, as you know, in marriages or partnerships or that is a different kind of challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same as a parental or friendship or therapy helps for sure. Um, having open conversations with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Learning how to do it. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we are, exactly. We are in taught. a responsible way. <laughs> yes. a responsible way. Not out to hurt somebody else, but to help through. But sometimes it comes to shove, you know, the hardest thing I had to do with my father was when I had to call him and tell him it is stage four cancer. Hmm. Yeah. Because that's, I knew I was bringing so much grief into his life. But I had to be honest and tell him the truth. Right. Yeah. And, you know, his first thing he said is, I wish your mother was still here. Because she was the one that, you know, sometimes my dad and I have a very intimate, close relationship, especially after the loss of my mother. You know, sometimes he's like, well, she would know what to say. I said, Dad, you mm-hmm. know what to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're here. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian, for your honesty, for your being willing to talk about your story here today. Um, where can our listeners get in touch with you if they would like to? I mean, they can always... Uh, hit me through Instagram, which is BSBPYT. It's a long nickname a friend gave me many years ago. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, I'm an old thing now, so, but, um, or through Facebook, Brian Sidney Bembridge. Of course, you can always go to my website uh, and you can email me through that, which is Brian Sidney, S I D N E Y, not Australian, British, BrianSidneyBembridge.com. Great. Thank you so much. 100%. Great. Well, today we had a very interesting discussion that kind of touched on many things. One of the things that I liked about it, and I think, I think, I think it's a, a human trait. What you were talking about, knowing that there's something wrong, but ignoring it so that uh, it isn't what you're focused on. And you mentioned that out of body. Uh, that occurs when that happens. I, I like that image. But when you were going through this, you know, COVID, um, there wasn't much support that um, a lot of people outside the hospital community could offer. And boy, being alone at that time for families had to be a horrible experience. Um, but we're thankful for the work that they do and that we're standing on the shoulders of all of the ancestors that came before us. All of the work that is being done in all of the arenas are definitely appreciating being open to the possibilities that we have and letting letting go of what does not serve you. Those are the things that uh, came up for me. For today's inspiration, I didn't look any further than uh, both sides now. It's it's there's nothing um, more inspirational that can be said today than I've looked at life from both sides now, from win and lose, and still somehow it's life's illusions. I recall, I really don't know life at all. You've been listening to Monday Morning Conversations with Nancy and Dan. Thank you for listening. 
Through our own journey, we know that it's possible to find meaning, purpose, and joy again after a loss. Join us each week as we share useful information to help you develop the skills necessary to meet grief when it enters your life and to show you the importance of having difficult conversations, even when you don't know how to start them. If you're looking for more information, you can find us at our website, beingwithgrief.com.